Okay, the last few weeks we were discussing where the Esar Sashrata might have gone, who's coming back, when they're coming back, and the various, if, if those are coming back, the various shitas. And we're going to go back to the Pasuk now to see what Melech Ashur does with the general population in terms of his uh, modus operandi was to, one second, was to convince the locals that it wasn't worth it to rebel. So how do you do that? So the answer is you don't leave them as locals. So he had this very unique shita that he just, picture in the ancient world, he took tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people at a time, and marched them, I'm sure many didn't survive, marched them to another area of the world and just plopped them down. So if you don't know where you are and you're not used to these surroundings, you have no emotional attachment to the homeland because it's not your homeland, it's a couple thousand miles from whatever you recognize, you're not going to have a very strong impetus to rebel. And Sancher Melech Asher did an excellent job at this, unfortunately, and it works. The rest of the world, you move somebody from Iraq to India, you do a Vodazar over here, you do a Vodazar over there. What difference does it make? So ultimately, pay taxes to this government, that government. The only thing that's going to make a Roshim a bit of a tumult is that he brings various of the Avodah to Eretz Yisrael, and all of a sudden, unlike the Avodah they were doing in their ancient homeland, they have some very strange-looking lions who start up with people, which is unusual for Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is not Africa. And they were smart enough to soon realize how Lord who must be the god of this land, doesn't like our worship. Little do they know the god of this land is the god of every land, doesn't like to worship back there either. But it's worse than Eretz Yisrael. Hence, Ramban mentions Sadaim. Why was Sadaim turned over? What did they do wrong? Everybody was, the whole world was doing Avodazar. The answer is, in Eretz Yisrael, the Palton Shamelech, Avodazar coupled with the cruelty and the uh, other shenanigans that were going on there, Eretz Yisrael couldn't sustain it, and therefore, ultimately, the Balei are spit out. Ramban's famous uh, explanation, he appears twice in Chumash, and absorbs the Gedusha, and eventually expels the people who are going in the opposite direction. Yes? No, so we mentioned they're, they're definitely representatives from each Shevet. The question is, how many? We have among us. You might be from God, for all we know. So that's the end. That's how they answer. Yep, yep. yep. The is uh, who stayed, who was there in the first place, uh, settled in Yehuda. And so absolutely, everybody agrees that uh, they're going to be 13, 13 Shvatan. So before we go back to the passage to see what happens with these uh, Kusim, became Shemrenim and... We've had a very rough time with people who claimed they were Yidin and we rejected them as they weren't halachic Jews and then they became sworn enemies for many, many years to come. Uh, various names and the uh, early Minim, we'll leave it that, that without a translation, uh, had a, uh, a very vicious hatred which never really dissipated. We, we don't notice it today because we have different issues with our cousins from the other branch of the family. But Lamaisa, 
they wanted to, they originally were Yidden, and they said that this is the reinvention of the religion, therefore should accept that, and when we didn't, they came back with a vengeance, as did uh, Muhammad when he first offered to do it on Sabbath, and then we rejected it, so he made his own holiday on Friday, and they did the same thing on Sunday. So they become our, our worst enemies because nothing we can do about it. can't accept something that's false, obviously, and we're not going to change, but nobody likes to hear a no. So over here, there's going to be a very difficult process, which we're going to walk through slowly, revisit our Shirem on Geras, and what doesn't work and what does work, but long and the short of it is, it's not going to work very well. And ultimately, even by Yashani, they're going to be very, very disruptive. It was picked up by the early Minim. Uh, I think we mentioned this once. The, in Muncie, it rings very, uh, very familiar. Uh, the expression of good Samaritan was to differentiate between the bad Yidin. That's, uh, unfortunately, the history behind it. So they accentuated the Shamanim, the, 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 the people we're going to talk about, and their descendants were the good people, were the good guys, and the people who rejected them were the bad guys, even though the people who rejected them were the real Yidin, and they were flown in from some other country and put there, and they sort of half accepted, which doesn't work. It's uh, somebody becoming a Balchuva, we go slowly. Somebody who is becoming a Ger, we're not looking for Gerim. If they come, then it's all or nothing. You can't go to the mikvah and be makabal 612 mitzvahs, which is an age-old issue. You certainly can't just pledge to join Sahal and go to Ulpan for a month and put on Tzolim for a day. And that's being done every day in certain armies in the Middle East. And I'm not talking about ISIS. Unfortunately, it's being done with our very own. And uh, they say it's you know, good enough. If you want to fight with Jews, it's good enough. Uh, the halachic answer is you want to fight with Jews, then we'll take whatever help we can get. But that doesn't make you Jewish. And it certainly doesn't make you Jewish... Uh, <laughs> Hitler, Yemach Shemoy's uh, definition, whoever is persecuted is automatically Jewish. That's another definition they use. I know Shaykhist, anything is very sentimental. It sounds very good, but uh, it has nothing to do with halacha, unfortunately. So before we get to this uh, entire unfolding drama, I want to mention one interesting silver lining. I always like to put some good news in this uh, disaster of an unfolding story. So the silver lining in their Sarasashvatim going into Gullus, is the fact that things are so bad by the Arsashvatim, they're not turning around, and we tried over the past year or two, and this year, to go through all the carrots and the sticks that Hashem gave them to do tshuva, the rewards and the expansion of the boundaries, and the success of Muhammad, and then the stick, the punishments, and then the carrot, and everything was tried, and the keller hapayim, but there comes a point where uh, the other shoe has to drop, so to speak. Uh, the silver lining is, is that they were causing such damage in the Ruchnius of Klai Yisrael. It was affecting Yehuda, and it will continue to affect Yehuda. Enough of are going on right over the border. The border wasn't very far, and the borders weren't very clear either. They knew who they were, but they were all Yidin. The collateral damage of the pollution being brought into Yisrael was such that it comes a point in time where it's better that they're not here. That's part of Hashem's Cheshman. It sounds like a very uh, tough to internalize, but there comes a point that we didn't throw them out. Gosh Baruch Hu took them out of the equation because they were just uh, bringing down the average, so to speak, of what was going on in terms of any semblance of Avodah Hashem. And the Briskarov 
interestingly enough, made such a comment that we're discussing the demise of the Velozhny Yeshiva. If you're familiar with the Maisa, the Velozhny Yeshiva was the, was the flagship at the time, the only Yeshiva in Europe, the mother of the, yeshiva, of the modern prototype of the Yeshiva. Started by Rechaim Velozhny and continued uh, for a number of generations, and in its heyday produced uh, all the uh, Rabbanim or Yeshivas, uh, all the leaders of Klai Yisrael were coming from that one century Yeshiva, which was the idea. Until then, everybody learned by certain Rabbanim, but Rabbanim had a small kibbutz in the town, and that was the way Klai Yisrael was working fine until it wasn't working, and Chaim Velozhna realized that uh, we now need a, a central place, and uh, he came to the guy the first time, very excited and animated about the idea. Fascinating story unto itself. And the guy didn't give his askama. Vilna Gaim was his rabbi. He was running uh, Lita. And then he came back a second time and he said it over, but he had fakus and he wasn't sure. And then the guy says, you could do it. And he said, it's a fascinating insight. And he said, and the guy sort of insinuated that there was a great idea the first time also, but the first time, this is his prized Talmud. And he said, uh, if we're starting, this is a serious undertaking. Uh, the future of Klai is at stake. And if there's even 1% of a person in it, then it's going to have less yet the Shmaya. And the first time you came, you were so excited. It was a great idea, and it is exciting that you throw the idea, and you're coming. For a Chaim Velazhner, his godless, the Vilna Gain, the only you can only get Muslim like this from the Vilna Gain to a Chaim Velazhner. And you guys come with a great idea. I'm probably going to tell you to do it right away. I'm going to wait till uh, you don't have any zikh in the equation whatsoever, and there's that n- not 1% of it, and we're going to be waiting a while. But for Chaim Velazhner, Vonagain said, it's a great idea, we can wait a little bit until you realize fully the gravity of the undertaking, and you're excited, but a little less excited about it, due to the trepidation, and that's when we're ready to go. So the second time, he gave him the go-ahead, and it was the stunning success that... Uh, we expect from an undertaking with the Haskam of the Vonagain or Chaim Velazhner starting it. It went on, and if you know the story, it's a fascinating, tragic account of the Russian government's involvement. And it wasn't the Russian government, uh, unfortunately, per our discussion with Dersa Shvatim, it was uh, Yidin, who were Maskilim already, who got the Russian government to start uh, getting involved and uh, insisting that there be secular studies. The Nitziv of Velazhner without getting into the whole sugya with uh, secular studies in English and its role in the uh, Masiftas here in America. That's a whole separate uh, discussion, but understand where it came from. The Nitziv Lamaisa made a decision that we would rather close the yeshiva than introduce this. This is not new yeshiva charade. This is, uh, the Nitziv made a, quite a weighty decision that broke his heart, and he, he died soon afterwards. But the Russians kept pushing, and for a time they... They allowed one thing in the basement and sent a few bachim where they felt uh, could handle it and they wanted to start learning the Russian language. In the context then, that was the sign of a masculine and the way to produce a masculine. And they were very, very apprehensive about it. And it went on for decades, this push back and forth and back and forth. Abhaim was already Russia, the younger Russian Shiva then. And at the end of the Tkufa, what ended Volazhin at the end was that the Maskilim kept pushing and pushing and pushing because it wasn't moving quick enough and Rab Chaim kept outsmarting them as it was an Etziv and it was cat and mouse and finally there were enough Yidin involved who wanted to destroy the yeshiva that they just egged on the government and they finally closed it. It came one morning and it was uh, traumatic for the Nitziv. They, they just came and locked the doors. 
Later it opened, but it was never the same, and it was a while later, and then it's Siv. Um, ended up, uh, he was Nifter shortly after, as was Rab Chaim, and who was significantly younger. He was, he was in the Siv's uh, grandson, grandson-in-law. And um, that was the end of Elohim. What HaKadosh Baruch had in mind is easy to see from 2020 hindsight. It splintered into all the great yeshivas of Europe that we know of, because after Volozhin ended, they recognized they still need yeshivas. They opened up, and the mirror opened up, and Slabotka. It gave birth to uh, many decentralized yeshivas, but there, there weren't a hundred of them. But Akash Baruch, who uh, was directing Klaistral, that there was a need for yeshivas in the different places. That was the one silver lining. And the Briskarov made a comment that at that point it had to close, and they asked him for an explanation, he referred to the fact that there already were maskilim infiltrating the yeshiva. Don't forget, the original maskilim looked from and uh, came in and started uh, the decay from the inside. And he said, as soon as that happened, uh, it was understood. They still fought to keep it open, but the Kosh Baruch Hu basically said that it's better that the Volazhin be closed. Forget the secular studies for a moment, the fact that the secular studies, the reason they didn't want it, many reasons, is because it would invite uh, the Haskalah, the Maskilim as individuals were already infiltrating and, and it had to close. So even though it was considered a Chorban Biyamov, and the city of Elohim never really recovered as a center of Tyra, Biskarov said in, in the hindsight, but he didn't say it by himself, he said it as a Messiah from um, Biskarov of Chaim's, uh, Chaim's son, he said that the understanding in hindsight was that there comes a time where keeping it open and having it here with the dangers lurking is less of an option than closing it and starting from scratch in another place, which echoes what is going on here with the SS Shvatim, as painful as it is. But that was a story uh, without uh, venturing into, uh, because it's, it's always my shame, Lem Saif, whenever we mention it, but uh, you can't ever fully explain in our human terms what happened in the Holocaust, but it's pretty clear, Gazelim said this, this is not my, my svara, that there were clearly things going on in a downhill, steady downhill slope in Europe with the damage of Ascala and the poverty and the persecutions that for the future of Klai Yisrael, Rabbi had said this when he was here in the 30s, before they knew the severity of the Holocaust, Rabbi walked right back into it. He didn't want to leave the Talmidim, and they realized it was dangerous. They didn't realize how dangerous. But he said a number of times in America, and keep in mind, we hear this line, you think, oh, it's push it. I'm sitting here, we come to Shia Sunday morning, and every night, and we have yeshivas that are packed to the gills, and I'm sure, that's normal. Rabbi Khan said this in the 30s, it's like saying uh, there's a future of Torah on, on Venus or on Mercury uh, in, the, in, in the short, near future. Yeah, like... It's like saying the moon was made out of cheese, but he said it a number of times. And he said he looked at the youth of America, and he looked at the opportunity of America, and he said there's going to be Torah here, echoing what Chaim Volozhner, interestingly enough, said when it was really like talking about the outer Milky Way from Europe when they had started selling America, that America would be the last Mokham of Torah in the Gullahs. Like, that made no sense whatsoever to anybody. Mamashinahua. But Rabbi Hanley was here in the 30s, saw it, in the 30s there was nothing going on. Absolutely nothing. And uh, he didn't stay around because he wanted to go. He was here fundraising for a long time. He went back to the yeshiva. He was killed by the Nazis. But he saw that something was about to uh, germinate here. 
and uh, very complicated cheshbon, but Akash Baruch Hu decided that it's going to start again here in Eretz Yisrael and that uh, the curtains are falling in Europe and almost like starting from scratch. That doesn't explain everything, but at least some silver lining in the 2020-70 year hindsight, um, it all came true. Not that we don't have uh, issues here, but it's, it's, it's here. Yes? Somebody showed me the seven of the Minchas Aloza that he said that, that this was like, it must, it must have been the 30s because he was there for 1933, I think. Mm-hmm. He's going to be, there's going to be Torah in America. Right, right. Which, which again, yeah. Rabbi Hanan, fascinating thing, Minchas Aloza was in Hungary. Right. And he said, Rabbi Hanan was here and he saw what was going on, which was nothing much. He saw the Yidin in America were generous, and there were still old Lutzvah Yidin and other Yidin who gave to yeshivas, even though they themselves weren't from. So he commented on the generosity, the inherent generosity of Yidin. That was apparent, Baruch Hashem, that was always here. The question is, uh, are we zeichet to give to yeshivas and to build Torah, or to give to whales and to uh, other, uh, saving other uh, trees and like, and Yidin are always going to give. That's, uh, that's in the DNA. So he saw that, but he also commented on, on the Torah and, the, and the, the honesty to be able to come back and, and build Torah, the intellectual honesty. And that, when you're in America, almost made less sense than saying it from Hungary. But yes, uh, he said, oh, Chaim Velazhen said a couple hundred years before. So, and we're living it. So otherwise, uh, you'd have to pinch yourself. Like, that doesn't make any sense on paper. Yes? Very, very quick, because you couldn't, um, I don't know exactly the, the months, yes, but they, they clearly needed, they understood that there were enough Talmudim thirsty for it, and remember, to be a Talmud in a yeshiva then, the, uh, I think we told over the Maesad, Chaim Ezer, if he would see Nebuch, a, a lady who was, uh, who was um, had a mum or something like that, he would stand up for her, and they asked why. He thought standing up to make a field. He says, no, Mestama, she's an Eishas Tamachacham. Because nobody else would marry Yeshiva Bacha. That's how bad it was. They were poor. They were, were walked around in the Sabatka, the Chiddush of the altar, was that as poor as they were, everybody's got to have a, an iron stuffed shirt with a tie and a nice fashionable hat and a jacket. That was a Chiddush Nifla. They couldn't even afford it. And they were borrowed. All the stories you hear, they're all true about, you know, they had to go out uh, when they started dating and borrow, there was one shirt in the yeshiva that every bachar wore. When they went out, I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. But it was, it was, it was true. That's how bad it was. The mysterious nefesh of anybody learning yeshiva. The good news is, even in the worst days of, of the Ascala and the waning days of Europe, anybody who learned in these yeshivas, who made it, survived, it didn't, wasn't hopped up in the middle of the maskilim or, or something else, or some pogrom or, uh, or drafted into the army, often became a god of Yisrael. So isn't that interesting? Every single one. The answer is the ones who were in it were made of such incredibly strong stuff that if you made it through, it showed something. So all the stories you see, Rav Shach, pick, pick, pick any, any girl that we know of who were in the European yeshivas, they, they were made of iron. That's how, that's how difficult it was. But the, Baruch Hashem, there was, a, there was a desire for it and there were enough Baruch Hashem who were willing to do it. I was going to be with the Shidduch, so as we said, the, the Altar Mirror wasn't only because of the war. That made things worse. That a five-year, five-year wait because they were traveling in a foreign country it was because even before the war, it was difficult to find the shidduch because before Beis Yaakov started growing, nobody really appreciated it. But they they forged on and they survived, and we're we're still here because of it. But that's the uh, we can't imagine how uh, it's good to tell your children if they ever complain about the uh, supper at the uh, yeshiva. I have to call it dinner, but they call it supper. 
and they say, you know, the, the chicken was too greasy. They just remind them the chicken mandakar shame. Like you had chicken, it was greasy, it wasn't greasy. Yeshiva food happens to be delicious today, and the first chiddush you have to um, inform them about is that there's food. Period. Then we could discuss the uh, the cuisine. When Rabbi Hanan was collecting, he, he was literally it wasn't just a sales pitch. The the Bacham were absolutely starving. They didn't have bread. But just to understand the luxury we have. The answer is we we can't handle the other alternative. So we have this. Now Hashem knows what we can handle, but um, but we have to realize the uh, tremendous advantage and the tremendous uh, scenario that Gosh Baruch built here. So that's the Briskorov's comment, which I'm just uh, attaching to the. Apparently, it came a time where they were doing more damage than good just by being there, and they had to leave, which is why Kosh Baruch Hu Paskin, the when and where. And now we get to see who's coming. Perak Yudzayin, Pasek Chav Dalid. Vayave Melech Asher, Mibavel, Mikusa, Meava, Mechamas, Mis Farvayim. All these interesting places. And he's doing this tremendous population distribution. And he brings them to Shemron because all the Yidden were sent somewhere else. The Yeshua Shemron and very sad to see and to read about. They now come in droves and settle in all the cities. We'll see who this is talking about. You've got to be careful when you read these Tzukim because we keep going back and forth between discussing the Averis of the Asas Shvatim who left and those that came. <laughs> so look at Rashi. Even though in general the Goyim in the world had a certain element of Yerushalayim, even though they were still of the Avarazar, but they knew who the Jewish God was to some extent. That's interesting. They recognized that uh, he's the God of gods. They still had their own gods, Kasha and but uh, so did the Eden, unfortunately. Many of them. Kenyan Shanamar Ushmi. Nairabagayim. Nara means awesome. Awesome is one of these words, unfortunately. It's used in every other sentence by every teenager, and then some. So it's losing a little bit of its, uh, of its shine. Everything's awesome. So uh, what do you leave to Gashbach? It's a little bit, a little bit odd. Uh, Nara is, used to be reserved for awesome, as in Gashbach. Nara Bagayim, Ve'elu, and these kusim that came these particular tribes, Lo Yeruni. These tribes didn't have as much respect. They're going to learn the respect very quickly. So as she's learning, this is going on, the people that came, the guy that came. Elu Lo Yeruni, Ki Amru, their Sephara was, Elu Haisa Ba Yira, if there was something to fear, and the Jewish God, Lo Nosan Amo Legalus, which is the age-old question that the Nazis in Shimon expressed in the Holocaust. Famous Maisa, one of the uh, Rebbe's, which one? Probably the Stam Rebbe in the Holocaust is the Klesenberger, but I don't know if it, was, uh, if it wasn't him, it was somebody else, but they were, um, as they were torturing them, they were taunting them that uh, you're the, uh, the Amanifcher. Yeah, he seems to be a Nifcher for Peronius. So he said, yeah, we're the Amanifcher. He says, if you had a choice between 
getting what I'm getting and being the oppressor, I'd rather choose this. Which is uh, as horrible as it was, at least they're not Nazis. They're not, uh, they're not people, we can never do this, Baruch Hashem. Can't do that to people. So the Kusim didn't understand that, and they said, how great can this God be? He let his people lose the war, and they went into exile. So what do they know from, they don't go to this Navishir. They don't know that it was time for them to go, and they were causing more damage than good, and, and they needed to be separated from Klai Yisrael, and that, that needs a lot of explanations. They didn't know any of this Torah. They just looked at it, and they said, you know, these are Jews, they went to exile, they lost the war. So how great can their God be? They learned very quickly that Hashem has many shlichim. Let's go back to the Pasuk. Again, Vayhi, Chafe, Betchia, Shiftam, Sham, Layerus, Hashem, Vayeshalach, Hashem, Behemus, Arayus, Hashem sent lions, Vayhargen, Behem, and all of a sudden, in the houses, in their shops, in the streets, these lions showed up and started mauling them, which they were at least smart enough to understand that's not natural to Eretz Yisrael and it's not normal. So, what do you do when the lions keep starting up with you and you, sure, they set up a Shemrim team and uh, some police weren't getting anywhere? Lions weren't listening. So they sent a letter to Melech Asher. Melech Asher Lamaisa wanted everybody just to be quiet and pay their taxes and not rebel. So he was certainly open to uh, discussion if there was a problem with his redistribution policy. So they sent him a letter. Well, it's L O Hey, because it's not plural, but they mean we don't. We don't know what's going on over here, but it might have something to do with the gods of the land. Nothing to do with the gods of the land, it had to do with the god. But they're close. So the governor, whoever's in charge, realized they ceased out of getting complaints, so he pushed the letter up the ranks and it got to Malachasha and said, There's something wrong over here. People are getting killed every single day. It's not natural. And it must be we angered the local gods. And it's probably because we don't know what we're doing, and therefore we need somebody to teach us how to worship the local gods. Now, mind you, they didn't really have intention to drop the gods they brought with them, which is going to be obviously a big part of the problem over here. But they were smart enough to know that when in Eretz Yisrael, do as you're supposed to do in Eretz Yisrael. So, okay, sounds like a somewhat logical request. So, Melech Asher, Kedaikai. Betuma is just interested in having everything quiet, so he's going to get some Jews and command them to go back there and teach them how to worship God so they stop getting eaten by the lions. Enough people get eaten, it's not good for taxes. You know, the people aren't alive, and it affects industry and local economy. So um, Malachash was not interested in that. He wasn't a very um, big tzaddik in terms of the human interest. He couldn't care less if people are dying in droves. It just affects the bottom line that he cared about. Now the word kainim, as you've noticed in Malachim, gets a very bad press, and rightfully so. We'd like to think kainim or kainim. Kainim, a kainim. Give him the first aliyah, let him do it. Kainim here means priest. And you have a situation where sometimes the Pesachim means one of our kainim, and quite often in Malachim it means one of the Kainim who are part of the Avodah going on in there says Ashvatim. And unfortunately, here it's the latter. So um, you don't know to laugh or cry. He picks one of the Kainim who doesn't know too much about Avodah Hashem in the first place, but he knows more than Kusim because he is Jewish. And he sends him to teach them what to do. So if you have a teacher like that, what's going to happen? 
So he's going to teach them, yeah, I'm Jewish, and you've got to keep Shabbos over here, and you've got to go to the Ashkama Minyan. Afterwards, you can go to your temple. It's fine. Just uh, you know, do something. Throw, throw something to the gods that you'll uh, be left alone, which is not exactly going to help matters too much over here. Up a little bit, you'll see why. One of the people who used to be local, the Yelcha, the Yeshusham, the Yerem, as Mishbat, Eloke, Haaretz, and let them teach exactly what they have to know as they stop getting mauled by the lions. So uh, they got somebody to go, which uh, okay, we'll see. I want to get to the Pelayates. Okay, now let's go to the Pelayates now because we keep losing time from it. Remind me, we're up to Pasik Chavches. You'll see what happens next week in Mitzvah <coughs> We're on page Samaches, the beginning of the Sefer. Not coincidentally, yesterday's tie-in was we were talking about serious Hochashabah Shailas and electricity Shailas and the ability to, when you can, run away from Avera. The only thing better than five answers and six coolers is when you don't have the Shaila in the first place. And there are people who conduct their life like that and it doesn't always work and sometimes you need to know what the din is and you need to be make if it's extenuating circumstances. But the best thing to do if you don't need the whole Shaila is just to walk away. And what? Barach, page Samaches. Barach is talking about, he's going to spell this out, running from Averas and running to Mitzvahs. And interestingly enough, uh, the Kusim understood that if you have lions invading your homes, uh, you should be running the other way. And they ran quickly to learn something else. The question is uh, what's your source of information? If you're running, that's the first step. There's reasons. you got to. Have siat tashmaya to be running to the right people and getting the right information. Amr Rabbi Sanes Zechon Levrach Avi Rutz LaMitzvah Barech Men Avera Inyan Habrichu Lias Cheshesh Afil Chashash Ruchayka. Even if it's not fifty-fifty, but there's a viable chash, a realistic chash that there might be a problem over here. Kamal Shalmu Shiyivroch Mei Sharem Shel Heter. That's a great name for a neighborhood. Uh, you should rather uh, put yourself in a matzav where there are many opportunities to do mitzvahs and it's clearly mutter rather than walk into one gate. Again, that doesn't mean that if it has a bona fide heksher, you have to start asking a million questions, but you should be asking and figuring out what's a bona fide heksher and the fact that people might be eating there certainly when you're traveling doesn't mean it's mutter. It might mean that they're relying on the uh, same uh, rumor that the other people had. And you got to verify things. That's true with everything you eat, everything you wear, and certainly everything you say. means be a little apprehensive without becoming completely bent out of shape that there might be an issue coming up. There are occasions in life where if you don't say something, you could regret it. Most of the time, if you don't say something, it's the safer way to do it. So if you're not sure whether to listen or say this piece of Lashon Hara, because even though the guy is insisting it's not Lashon Hara, but you're not 100% sure, probably better not to listen, not to say it, until you verify it. And you'll say, we'll have to check each thing out. The answer is, like, whatever goes into your mouth and whatever goes out of your mouth. These are the prevalent things that come up. 
should worry about your neshama first. V'chein al kol diber sharetz l'dabi yachar shem yavad de diber shal iser. We just said, v'chein al kol meiser sheyase yivrach menahetek deish loyelava ela iser. Loyelech loyedaber loyase ela mashemuchach ba'od l'shem mitzvah. Be always in a situation in a matzav where you're drawn toward mitzvahs, and it's a place we daven every morning. Shalovet de nisayim. Famous Maisa, once we're talking about the Vilna a lot today. So there are two versions to the story. It's brought down in the Dubna Magid's Mashalim, but the two versions on what happened, the pretty big nafkamina between the two versions, they're both interesting stories. The Vilna actually asked the Dubna Magid to come and give him Musr. At first he uh, was shaking, I'm going to give the Vilna Gaon Musr. I'm insisting on it, and whenever you can come to the area in town, I'd like to hear some. So there's a famous Mashalim that he uh, gave to the Vilna Gaon as well. And uh, he once told, this part of the story, everybody agrees, was the beginning of the conversation, he once told the Vilna Gaon that it might be a little bit easier to be the Vilna Gaon. Easy, it wasn't. Vilna Gaon used to sit in a room and learn all day, and he had select Tamidim, and he... We know, again, in perfect 2020 hindsight, he was basically running the world, Shammai Varitz, from his Daladamas. But we're talking about a, literally a Daladamas, and the shades were drawn. You know, shades that shuddered. They didn't want any distraction day and night. Most people aren't up to that, especially if you're doing that for many decades. Well, they also did something like that for the first 60 years or so. And uh, it's obviously, uh, I wouldn't suggest that for most, most people can't handle that even for a short time. So the Vilna Gain was told by the Dubna that, you know, maybe perhaps if you venture into town, and mind you, the main town center in Vilna resembled nothing like midtown Manhattan. Whatever it was. I'm putting that in because you'll understand in a minute. Uh, but if you go into town and you're among the people, you know, that's a real challenge. So maybe that you should challenge yourself. So one version is the Vilna Gaon cried, but he cried whenever he got Musa because he was the Vilna Gaon. He was such an honor of, and he said uh, he didn't, no version has that the next minute he went into town, by the way, just mind you. <laughs> he didn't say you should do it. We daven every morning, shalom, then he's saying, if you don't have to be in any matzav where you might be subjected to uh, pizzas or whatever, lashon or whatever it is, you don't put yourself in the matzav. You have to go to work, then uh, you go to work and you try your best and you work in the cleanest environment. So one version is he cried that Kilu, he was nervous that maybe there's a Madrega he's missing that he would have, but of course you can't chance it because we have an right? Nobody argues on that. I, I've heard a third version that completely bends it out of shape, but that, that's not true. The third version was somebody just made up, somebody who likes going into town, hanging around Midtown Manhattan, for no good reason, said, no, no, he went into town after that, that's... Ridiculous. See, we know where the Vilna Gun was the whole time and what he did with his entire life. And if you don't have to, you don't put yourself in a matzav where there's going to be more challenges, enough challenges in life. The other version is he told the Dubna Magad on the rare occasion where he corrected him. Maitza, Dubna Magad, he was the rabbi, Dubna Magad was still the Talmud. And uh, he told him that there's uh, no inya to do that whatsoever and we're not here to be a kutzmacher. The Vilna- the Magad told him, there's no kunst to stay in the Dalamas of the shutters drawer and go in there. He says, I'm not a kunstmacher. Which means we're not here to make more nisyanis. Uh, I researched it once. That's probably the more valid version. But both versions hold the same thing. Because even if he, even if he cried, and then he said that, and both, both versions are correct. He didn't start doing it, and the, the Magad wasn't suggesting it. The Peliates is saying that the job in life is to first protect yourself as much as you can from nisyanis, 
And then, Dailanu will have plenty of Nisyanis. If you live in this world, and most of us in the room are, uh, are not sitting in Dalamas in the shutter drawn, having a little interaction because we can't do it and we're not in the Madriga to do it, even if it was offered to us. And we have plenty of Nisyanis. The trick is to figure out uh, there are people who go on business trips, which are sometimes necessary. And we all recognize that. And then there are people who volunteer for every business trip that might have to be taken in the company, whether they were asked to or not. To go to Arba Conference Aritz and subject themselves in every airport to call Teva Shabaylam and be, because they like traveling and they like doing things. I have no problem. It's understandable somebody likes traveling, but you have to know wherever you go somewhere, whatever you do, whatever you subject yourself to, there's going to be many more Nisyanis than when you're at home going to a share in the morning, Davin Shachar is going to work, learning by lunch, coming home, and going to night Seder. And when you're traveling, it's uh, more difficult. So there are people who know when they travel, they're <laughs> listening to Sherem all the time, and they catch up on all the Sherem we're giving. That's Galatik, and that's true. And that you can make the best of it, and sometimes you can learn more. But you have to know what makes you tick, and you have to know when you have to be someplace and where you really have to be subjected to the Nisyanis that we face in daily life. And that's the point of this Peliyais. This is... None of these are my chidushim. Mashamuchach ma'id, first one line. L'shem mitzvah, l'tzarcha, l'ach, sh'yavar, bearer, gummer. Should do whatever is necessary. L'shem mitzvah, l'shem panasa. Whatever you have to do, but after you clearly research. Sh'yavar, bearer, gummer, sh'aniyach, alava, l'shem tzad, nidud, iser. Only when you're going to be with the right people. We're talking about, uh, I pick business trips because there are a host of yichud shaylas and kashra shaylas and stakla shaylas and all sorts of things going on at, and sometimes you have to go to them. You recognize them. You have to go. Yes, the shaylas, and you go. And uh, but you have to ask beforehand and first figure out how much you have to be there and what you're doing with Shabbos and the international dateline and all the other things that are inherent to many of these trips. And as well, I had a, an attorney call me, uh, attorney who um, the very nice uh, young uh, Bentera who um, is an attorney by trade. And very impressive, and I get many such calls. And Baruch Hashem, the yeshivas are producing very chashuva b'nei terror, who some of them are professionals. And he said he has a new job, he's switching jobs, and he has two offers on the table. And one is in a section of Manhattan, right there, front and center, that, uh, how do I say this in a positive way? Well, I don't want to be everyone listening, but there was a mayor many mayors ago that cleaned it up. And he informed me, and I mentioned that, I'm really trying to find the silver lining. I said, isn't it a lot better than it used to be? He said it was until the, I'll say this carefully right before an election, until the incumbent um, uh, sort of like uh, threw it back, it regressed many, 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 many madregas down. Like the tune of um, my proverbial people who sometimes forget to get dressed in the morning because they're in a rush to get to work. So the firm happens to be right in that place in Manhattan. Manhattan is, like any big city, always a challenge, but this place is a, a challenge of challenges. And they were offering Salary X, very nice salary, and he had a second offer with Salary Y, which was significantly less in a much cleaner environment. That's at least a shayla. Some people wouldn't say, What's a, it was a differential of over $100,000, well over $100,000. We talked for a long time. I'm, ver- I'm a very big maker with people's parnasa. I don't make uh, quick decisions. People's Panasa, he has a growing family. And um, he was trying to honestly figure out, we did calculations, real money on the phone, like, can you make it on the other salary? 
because I can't say it's also this is so good. You can't say it's also to go to work. You try, you practice Shmir Sanayim, and you go. It's just that he realized as a 29 years old, this is going to be a big Nisayim, 29, 39, 49, 59, whatever you are. And he, he wasn't interested in putting himself in Sanayim. He just wanted to know also Stadlis, is he doing an Avlov? He doesn't take the other job. That should be a Shaila that, it is a Shaila that comes up a lot. Shaila is, is everybody calling with a Shaila, or is $150,000 more make it a non Shaila? So the other salary was doable, just a little more difficult. So it sounds like big, not big numbers, but he has a large family. It was a long discussion. Interestingly enough, uh, I told him that uh, I can't tell you it's usher and that uh, you might need this, and uh, these are the only two offers on the table, and it's not usher. And, and he happens to practice Shemir Sanayim, and he's a big masmid. And I, it was clear, it wasn't pushed. He didn't take the job at the end. And I'm not the one that asked it, because we're only talking about usher mutter. We're talking about what is Ratzon Hashem over here. He didn't take the higher-ended job. And he's uh, making it, but, you know, with some difficulty. But he's making it. He's not starving. That's what the Peliads are talking about. It has to be at least on the Madrega that it's a Shaila. Uh, one of the Shailas also, Diktuk Pahalacha, is making his man Tefillah for those who didn't daven. So we're going to stop here. And whoever's getting up can start davening right now, because I davened already. Ari.